Hey guys, welcome back to Nerd Continuity. I am your co-host, Michael Dambold, with our amazing host, Alex Castellani. <laughs> uh, we have some great topics to talk about today. Yes. Uh, we actually had too many topics. We had to uh, cut down the list, so there's some, there's some great stuff. Um, yeah, well, we are Alex, people with lists. <laughs> yes, we have extensive lists. Uh <laughs> So before we start, uh, mm-hmm. let's kind of make a quick mention of the Apple keynote address oh. in the Apple mm-hmm. event recently. Yes. Um, the, did you watch yeah, it live? Well, I did. I oh, did. yeah. Yeah. Oddly enough, you can watch it. You could watch it on Edge, like the Edge web browser. Oh. I don't know why, but you could. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Improvement yeah. in technologies. So, yeah. So what did you think about the announcements? Uh, it was boring. Uh, my first, I was totally non-interested and I, uh, first of all, like now it's been like, I don't know, four years or three years that basically everything is going to be presented. It's leaked two months before, like with pictures or descriptions or like, uh, hardware specs of whatever is going to be introduced so it's kind of like okay and I, I i always try to stay away from spoilers and leaked footage or leaked pictures because i like the introduction of a finished product and not a work in progress but i have to say i don't know it was kind of boring it's like it's it looks like uh, we talked about the other day it looks like uh the, the guys from Apple went inside the Best Buy and mm-hmm. say, okay, let's copy this product, this product, this product. Okay, we're done the keynote. That's, yeah. I don't know. What I'm do pretty you think? sure they took a part of Surface Pro and were, and were like, let's do this, but on yeah. iPad. That's and, good work, yeah. But yeah. it's giant, it's just massive. It's like, uh, why you have a tablet if you actually have a, 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 a computer? Like, now mm-hmm. they have all these products that they're basically the same. They have the MacBook Air, the new MacBook, the iPad Pro. They're all the same size. They're all 13 mm-hmm. inches. And one has a keyboard. The other one has not a physical keyboard. It has the smart cover. The other one has just one port. The other one has two USB ports. It's just, it's the same product. It's just this 13 inches display and they keep releasing this product that they compete between each other and mm-hmm. none of those product is like a definitive one like every time you have to buy now an apple product you have to make a compromise on something and it's just yeah. oh it's god awful uh, i don't know yeah i was severely disappointed um <laughs> I feel like, especially the Apple Pencil, uh, you know, oh. there's some stuff with the Apple Pencil that looked okay, but that's stuff that everyone's been doing forever. So, like they were saying, you know, the pressure-sensitive, if you do, the, you know, yeah. uh, the pressure-sensitive stylus, well, I mean, uh, Intuos has been doing that for a long, you know, uh, Wacom has been doing that for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I remember having, yeah, I don't know, it's just... There's so much stuff that they acted like you know was revolutionary, but it really wasn't, and oh, they totally. really haven't been revolutionary in a long time. You know, I mean, if you remember that, I was actually talking to some uh, coworkers about this. Uh, you know, if you remember, you know, there's a huge difference between iPhone three and iPhone four. You know, the different yes. casing, all of the new stuff you could do in the OS. 
it was like a completely different phone. You knew you were getting a huge leap in innovation. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the 5 was not as much. Um, the 5 was like, well, okay. So you didn't feel as... like uh, the um, uh, fingerprint reading and maybe a, mm-hmm. a taller screen or something like that. It was kind of, yeah, an improvement, but not a huge one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and then when 6 came out, it was like, well, there really isn't much. I mean, they, the casing was different, but that was yeah. it. And they were like, oh, it comes in more colors. I'm like, no, don't do that. <laughs> Once you start doing the colors thing, you know that you know, you're running out of ideas. Yeah. Um, because the whole point with Steve Jobs was to say, you know, we've got black and white, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to do a lot of colors because, you know, it's kind of like his same question of who needs a stylus, you know, back in 2004. <laughs> yeah. And now they have their own. And, yeah, I don't know. I just the other web developers I'm talking to, and after our conversation, yeah, it just seems like they're just kind of rehashing stuff and trying to act like improvements that other people have done, especially yes. Microsoft at this point. Because there was a time in about 2005 where they were years ahead of Microsoft. Microsoft was was fighting to catch up, and Android was really struggling. But yeah. all of a sudden, Android now is better in a lot of ways. Yeah, and Microsoft is now doing stuff that Apple is not doing, mm-hmm. and. I feel like Apple's on the defensive now, mm-hmm. um, which is not good. It's not good for them as a company. I mean, they, they need to come out with some holographic iPhones very soon, you know, to let us <laughs> know that they're still on the forefront of innovation and not trying to catch up because that's exactly what this keynote left me thinking uh, yes. last time. Yes, absolutely. So I don't, yeah. Well, and also the fact that they had two or three uh, demonstrations of software yeah. Um, that took up a lot of time as opposed yeah. to a lot of, you know, like software, like third-party software. You know, they even had Microsoft come in and talk about stuff that you could do. Yeah, that, I was, mean, that was fun. Should, <laughs> it's, it's telling that you would spend most, a lot of your time or a chunk of your time doing that versus, uh, you know, and those seeming to have the more of an innovative leap mm-hmm. than your hardware, you know, and that all of your hardware changes can be, you know, neatly summed up in like two PowerPoint presentation yes. slideshows. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like uh, I can, I kind of understand what Apple is doing because uh, it's it's trying to be in as many fields as possible. So he doesn't want to be just for designers, but also for developers, but also for productivity, but also for. Uh, I don't know, uh, office job. So he's trying to integrate as much as possible and he's trying to cover as many fields as possible. But the problem is that, uh, especially like with the iPad Pro and the Pencil, like since the first tablet, uh, the first screen tablet with a, a, a pencil was introduced in like in 2000 something, 2005, 2006 by Wacom. And now we have, first we have the Surface Pro uh, from Microsoft and they have mm-hmm. the the first, like the version two was a collaboration with Wacom. So they have the Wacom yeah. technology on that device. Yes. Yeah. And uh, then we have actually the companion, um, uh, the, the companion series from Wacom that is actually a standalone computer in a tablet. So it's a Linux mm-hmm. tablet computer where you can draw with the pencil and then it's a full computer. You can install software in there. You can do mm-hmm. whatever you want. And it's like super light and it's way better than the iPad Pro. But 
with all these products in all these years, there's the there were been like known like a, a designer that said, okay, my workflow is entirely on screen, is entirely on the company on Wacom or on Surface Pro. Like designers, yeah. graphic designers, comic book artists, they don't do everything on a tablet. They right. still use pencil and paper, then they do scans, then they use vector graphic. Then so like focusing so much on a pencil and try and call it Apple Pencil, it's super silly, but and trying to make it yeah. like, oh, this is like a real pencil. So you have inclination, you're set. It's something that has already been there for years, but it's yeah. never been a breaking like product. It's like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is the best one because it's never going to be exactly like pencil and paper and professional artists know that. Like, I'm not going to, replace my workflow with an iPad Pro with an Apple Pencil, especially because I have tons of different alternatives that are way better and way cheaper than the iPad Pro. And and it's, it's weird because I understand that they want also that piece of market there. We want to sell also to those artists. We want to sell our products to also this other part of the internet, this other part of the market. But then they they leave behind innovation and they're trying to catch up with everything else. So they do like multi-screen, like introduced in Linux in uh, Ubuntu version 8.10, the multi-screen, and now they introduce it in 2015. And But on the other hand, they create a lot of issues. So they remove all the ports. They uh, close more and more your operating system. So if you don't do the upgrade, you cannot connect anything else. You cannot like share your files between uh, different physical devices if you don't pass through the iCloud. And it's just mm -hmm. like, it's a huge nonsense for me. It's like, uh, I understand what you're doing, but for me, you're doing it like really wrong. And it's just, oh God. I don't know. Yeah, and well, and I think that I think their problem was trying to push the iPad, uh, the new iPad, as a replacement for your workflow. Um, and there is absolutely no way because I'm an okay, I'm an illustrator and a web developer. Under no circumstances would I replace any part of my workflow with an iPad. Yeah, I I would buy a Surface Pro. I know people who have Surface Pros and they love them because I need the computing power. I need to do yeah. more than just draw something and then export it through the cloud to my desktop computer. Why, why in the world would I do? Why why would I take those extra steps? That's working backwards. Yeah, to me exactly. that's working backwards. That's going back to like the 2005 model mm -hmm. of saying import, 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 done. Yeah, instead of like the Surface Pro, which says basically you can do everything digital now, and everything I do is pretty much digital. So yeah. I, I just it doesn't make any sense to me why I would go back to the like 2005 in the way that I do things and mm -hmm. try to like basically devolve my workflow into something just to say that I'm using an iPad. I mean, yeah. the the problem is, you know, before you were willing, people were willing to work, alter their workflow because of the brand, and mm -hmm. people are no longer willing to do that. And I don't know if Apple's cognizant of that. Um, I think they're. I think they're they're banking on the brand that they can coast. Yes, but you can't. You can you cannot. You cannot coast on, um, your brand being innovative, if you stop being innovative. Yes, and and that's that's a problem. I'm I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna touch pencil. Ninety nine dollars, man. 
Not yeah, it's hundred dollars. Yeah. Let me let me yeah. ask you a question. Like in your like daily workflow, you always and only use one device. Like you start on your computer and you end on your computer, or sometimes like you take your phone, you take your tablet, or you draw something on a piece of paper. Like you're stuck in just one single device all day for like an entire week. No, it's usually multiple multiple devices, exactly. but I need stuff to, you know, I, I would not, the problem is that those, the iPads are not, I, I would just be so hesitant to take an iPad anywhere because they're so expensive. And mm. if you buy, let's say you buy a new iPad at the $800 level, you can get a Surface Pro for the same price. Yeah. See, that's the problem. This is what they're coming up against mm. is it, because you can buy a Surface Pro, uh, you can buy a Surface for the same price, have a full computer, be able to do other things on it other than the closed iOS system. Because, by the way, it's running on iOS. It's not running on the Mac OS. Exactly. So it's running, on your, it's running on your phone's OS. And we all know how frustrating that can be sometimes. Yeah. And, I mean, I have an iPhone. It's great. I'm not bashing mm-hmm. Apple. But the problem is there's some serious, fundamentally flawed logic that's going on with this branding. And... Uh, and you know there was a there's a book called The Brand Gap by Marty Neumeyer, mm-hmm. and he talks about how when brands try to diversify too much, they lose their message, and when you lose your message, you fail. And yes, you know that's that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing them beginning to to try the be all end all. But if mm-hmm. you're going to do that, you need to do what Microsoft is doing and actually make a computer, um, because we're not willing as a developer and as an illustrator, I'm not willing to devote or depend on. Yeah. the iOS system to carry the amount of work that I do because I'm pre- I I do a lot of work. Yes, I do exactly. a lot of drawings. I have gigs and gigs. I have probably terabytes of mm-hmm. information. And yeah. I don't want to trust a terabyte of information in any way in any small part, not even a gig to an iOS system. If yes. that's actual like productive work, if that's production work for a client or for my own personal use, I'm not going to tr- I'm not going to trust it to an iOS. I would trust it to a Mac OS, but I wouldn't trust it to an iOS. Yes, totally. Yeah, I just don't I just don't trust it. And there's yeah. no way you can troubleshoot it. Like exactly. even with Windows, you can get in there and troubleshoot it and there are things mm-hmm. you can do to recover information. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with an iOS, not without sending it off to the Apple store, but that's not a guarantee that you're gonna get the right person for the job. So yeah, no, anyway, totally. I'm gonna go on I could go on forever ranting about this, but yeah, unimpressed. No. Just talking about like a second about the price, also it totally doesn't make sense. The hardware improvement and the price comparison like uh yeah. for a 32 gigabytes version of the ipad pro is like 800 899 or something yeah 800 and instead for the same price the surface pro there is a more complete more solid and more uh, dynamic device is 256 gigabyte yeah. So, and if you if you just go to NCIX or whatever other retailer and you buy an SSD um, hardware, an SSD drive, mm-hmm. the amount of dollar per gigabyte is way cheaper than the one that Apple is using. So they could improve the amount of uh, space, the archiving space, like seven times without actually spending any more dollars, like any money on that. Because the, 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 the cost of solid state hard drive it dropped in the last four years a lot. And now they're yeah. cheaper and cheaper. But they keep releasing the iPhone as 60 gigs that, 
what yeah. the hell are you gonna do with 60 gigs of space like nothing right. like one youtube album that is gonna be forcefully <laughs> put it into <laughs> your iphone that's I'm done i'm surprised but... they do that this time yeah exactly yeah. or 32 gigabyte of an ipad pro that you want to use, yet yeah, you're telling people to use this as a productivity device. So you need email space, you need uh, pictures, you want, you want us to use Photoshop in that device. I'm going to have like three Photoshop files and then that's it. I'm not going to have any more space in that. That's just greedy stuff. Like, and if you see the, uh, the other hardware specs, they didn't actually release a full hardware specs for the new iPad, but it's going to be exactly the same. It's going to be the thinnest... Um, a battery ever, the thinnest screen ever, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But you're going to always have that crappy 12 or 8 megapixel camera. You're going to always have uh, that 8 hours of battery life, not improved, like always the same. You're going to have the Apple uh, A9X core processor that is it's really fast, absolutely is really fast but it's not comparable to an i5 or an i7 from mm -hmm. Intel that you can find in a Surface Pro. Mm -hmm. and exactly. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's rant. good. I, you know, I think, I, I hope that other web developers are, I, and I think they are. I mean, we had this conversation on Slack and <laughs> I've had conversations with, with other web developers and even IT people. And we're just kind of, I don't want to say we're laughing at it, but man, it's just, it's a little ridiculous that they think that they're, that the people are, I mean, there is always going to be a group of fans and followers that will salivate over every new Apple product. Yeah. Now, I used to be a huge Apple fan because their stuff was good. You know, their yeah. stuff would last a long time. Like the like the Apple G4 I got lasted mm -hmm. for years and took such a beating. Um, I mean, falling on the floor and all that stuff. And it just kept going. It just kept <laughs> going and lasting and it was great. Um, but then I started, then I got the MacBook Pro and then it the hard drive died. Yes. And then I got another MacBook Pro, and the hard drive died on that. And then I got an then I got a uh, a Mac Mini, and the hard drive died on that 30 days after I bought it. Then oh, I brought it, or actually it was 28 days. I brought it in, and I said, "Can you fix this?" And they said, uh, "Yes, uh, we've outsourced our hard drives to Mac Store or something, and um, and it's probably their hard drives." And I'm like, "Well, that's still your problem." <laughs> and yes. so I got it back, and as soon as I got it back on the 30 days, because it was after the 30 days. Um, it died again, and so I have an abs I had an absolutely useless Mac Mini. I mean, the hard drive was gone. It was just it was completely dead, and oh, so I had such a bad run with Mac yeah. Mac stuff. I mean, I have an Air now, mm -hmm. but um, and it runs great. But I'm not I'm not pushing it. I don't have anything pretty much on there that isn't the uh, the standard stuff, the yeah. standard stuff that comes with it. Um, I haven't loaded Adobe on it, and Adobe it used to handle Adobe so well. Yes. Um, but now I have, I mean, I've got two laptops. I've got, I've got a laptop at home that I do most of my stuff on, but it's a, it's a Toshiba, mm -hmm. you know, it's not, um, <laughs> it, it's, I just, it's not, a, it's not a Mac. And I just, yeah. I just don't feel like personally from where I'm at. And I know other people have, are doing great with Macs and they've had no problems. Mm -hmm. Now the desktop Macs have been great. I've never, yeah. I've, you know, other than that Mac mini, I have not had a problem with any desktop, but, um, you know, it's just, after all of my issues with Apple, I'm just not as much of a fan as I was ten yeah, no, years absolutely. ago. It's just I feel like it's much less of a less of a product than mm -hmm. it used to be. Because um, that was the whole thing that we could boast in. You know, we were the whole Apple 
when we were the Apple fanboys, you know, you're like 10 years ago, it was like, well, their stuff lasts forever, you know, yes. and how many laptops you're going to go through and it was worth the price to pay. And it was actually like 10 years ago was cheaper. Yeah. Cheaper oh, gosh, than yeah. a desktop computer compared in like uh, specs. Yeah. And, yeah. And speed. It was cheaper and it lasted longer. And it was yeah. a hardy hard drive and the CPU was solid. Yeah. You know, the processors were great. I could open, you know, I was, I remember at one point in CS3, CS2, CS3, uh, having gigabyte files open in InDesign and Illustrator. Mm -hmm. And like a 500 open and uh, only when I had like two uh, gig files open in two Adobe programs did it start slowing down. Yeah. But it didn't die. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's how strong it was. That's how good it was for, you know, 2005. That was, that's really good. Um, but now, I mean, I cannot, I, I have to be so careful. Yes. Um, in Mac, it just, I, I just don't want to overtax it. And so <laughs> I feel like I have to be much more. Uh, careful <laughs> with the Mac OS now. Yeah, no, totally. um, and I that may just be me. Uh, other people may have very powerful Mac computers that don't have mm -hmm. a problem. Um, you know, and that's fantastic. So yes. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm never gonna say I hate Apple. I don't hate them at all. I think no, they're no, no. great, fantastic company. Yeah, it's not a matter of, like loving, hate, um, whatever. Yeah. it's a matter of like the product that I'm, I'm spending on all the right. money that I like right. uh, I, right. I'm sweating and, to make like it's yeah. it has to be a, a, a good product it has to last more than mm. six months before you release yes. the updated product that I, I don't care well and and, it has it, you know basically has to be a good horse exactly you know? it needs to run run fast yeah. and it needs to run a long time it needs to be healthy and in good condition and I don't want to have to replace it anytime soon yeah yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like we're in the wild west and we're looking for a good horse, and exactly. uh, that's what it feels like. And yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, I you know, for anybody listening, we don't hate Apple. We're not no, we're not no, Microsoft. I mean, it's not. I have a MacBook. It's I'm, never I'm been. on a MacBook right now. It's but I am on a MacBook from 2011, and it's been super solid. I loved it, but after six months, my motherboard died, like the motherboard. Yeah. And I had to spend another $900 to replace the motherboard because after you replace the motherboard, all the components that you have inside are not comfortable anymore. So you have to replace yeah. everything else. I was like, oh God, why? Like never happened. I had a, a MacBook, the white version of the MacBook from 2008 and it still works. It's like super slow because cannot handle anymore the softwares, but it still works. It's still solid yeah. and the battery is still like five hours. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's just, oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's, you know, for anyone listening, we're not, we're not anti Apple. We're not anti Microsoft. We're just no. professionals dealing with the ups and downs of both exactly. brands. And, you know, there are good things that Apple does and there are good things that Microsoft does and there yes. are bad things that Apple does and there are bad things that Microsoft does. Exactly. And so, you know, neither is perfect and we're not going to gush over, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not, and I know you won't, you know, mm -hmm. we're not going to gush over anyone and, and take the stance of, you know, totally. well, this company is better than the other. I think it yeah, just depends no. on, because here's the thing, we have, we have to do our jobs and we have to do them quickly and we need yeah. reliable technology exactly. to provide that environment for us and it doesn't matter who uh provides it it doesn't matter who makes it as long yeah. as they make a good product yes you know and that that and i think that's how pretty much every develop most developers are 
I mean, there's always going to be that one developer who says, I don't touch X software or hardware or mm-hmm. OS. Um, you know, there I know people who are staunchly against Apple, believe it's evil. But there are people that I know that are staunchly, micro, uh, you know, uh, Apple people who think Microsoft is evil. And mm-hmm. neither are the Antichrist, neither yeah. are God. And, you know, um, just calm down. <laughs> you know, yeah. Just, we're, we're, we're professionals. Come on. Yeah. You know? Go to your own conclusion and evaluate yeah. the product. And if the product is valid, just take it. That's it. Go for but, it. Yeah. yeah. And I think Whatever. we're always looking for the best thing. You know, the yeah, fastest absolutely. thing. Well, if mm-hmm. you have to spend a thousand dollars, I want a best yeah, thing. Like. Exactly. <laughs> it's an investment. You want it to be an investment. It's like a car. You mm-hmm. want to invest in something that's going to take you a long way before having to replace it or even yeah. have it fixed. Yeah. So, anyway. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of being designers and developers, yeah. uh, there was a fantastic link that I saw this week mm-hmm. um, called uh, What Tools Are Designers Using Today? Yes. And they are the results of a huge survey. Let's see. Um, looks like 4,000 participants from 200 countries. Wow. And uh, Koi Vin was uh, the one who is being quoted here. Mm-hmm. Um, and Koi, Koi is amazing. Um, <laughs> let's see. And it, it was really interesting because it, they asked, like, the favorite tools. Um, what do you use for wireframing? Who, you know... Um, it was it was pretty amazing. Um, yeah. So let's start with you, uh, Alex. What what did you think about the uh, the site and the results? Uh, really interesting results, of course. It's um, I I love the fact that they pretty much cover the entire process, the entire creative process. So they didn't cover just what tools do you use to design or to develop. They started mm-hmm. like from brainstorming, wireframing until the end, like version control, final management, and like project management. That is, no one cares pretty much about what kind of tool do you use for project management. I don't right. care. Like I'm a developer. I don't, I'm not yeah. gonna do that. Yeah. But it's just basically they cover the entire process of a creative, a digital agency, and it, it's pretty cool. And it's kind of like nice to see uh, a lot of different answers. But it's uh, it's uh, it's kind of weird seeing like sketch pretty much on top of everything. And that was, yeah. if you don't know, sketch is like a software is a a vector based software by Bohemian Coding that is like how much three years old, two years yeah. old. It's like version three. Well, it's a Mac product too. It says something. It's, Exactly. It's just a strictly Mac product. Yeah. They're working yeah. on a Windows derivation, but it's not going to be ready for at least one year. Right. And well, it's... Uh, let's break these numbers down for people who haven't read it. Yeah. Um, let's start with the uh, brainstorming and ideation. Um, 64% of the people uh, surveyed mm-hmm. said that they use pencil and paper uh, mm-hmm. to begin their idea process. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, that's pretty... That's pretty uh, basic. Yeah, um, um, it's kind of like I don't know if uh, in this sixty-four percent it's also included like a whiteboard with markers, but probably it is because it's. I think it's kind of the same. Yeah, I think we could probably yeah include that. That makes sense because that you know, if you're working in a place with a bunch of whiteboards, then yeah, that's mm-hmm. 
it's usually and like it makes sense to, like this huge percentage because also like you when you create a product something new and you have to sketch something super fast you're it's kind of like sometimes it's annoying being constricted by the the, the frame of a software you mm -hmm. you actually need a white space you need a, yeah. a piece of paper without boundaries and you need to just to draw so yeah well, and, and I think the idea of, of sketching, because, I mean, there's a huge jump. 64% uh, answered with pencil and paper, but 10%, which is the next number down, uh, use sketch. Yeah. So there's a huge, I mean, there's an enormous gap here. It's yes. not like 50-50. I mean, we're talking 64-10%, and then 7% yes. uh, Illustrator, 7% Photoshop, 6% other, on the way down. Um, yeah. but, we're, but there's an enormous gap here between... Uh, people who use pencil and paper to sketch out their ideas, and people who actually use um, people who actually use some kind of uh, software. Yeah, exactly. You know, and which means which makes me wonder if some people are more development, project oriented, task oriented, mm -hmm. yeah. who do that, who would use Sketch because that means you already kind of know what you're doing. My yeah. opinion is if you go into a pro if you go into software and you start using that software for sketching, quote unquote, mm -hmm. that you would you already know what you're doing. You know, yes. not you're actually trying to do the word bubbles, do you know, mm -hmm. trying to figure out what you know what works and what doesn't. So, um, and the next one was wireframing. Um, so, what is your primary tool for wireframing? This is where it gets interesting. What we were talking yes. about. Uh, Twenty-seven percent answered that they use Sketch for mm -hmm. a wireframing, uh, which is a pretty huge number. Uh, Nineteen percent said Illustrator, and then fourteen percent said HTML and CSS. Mm -hmm. And th so through this, we're going to talk about just probably the top three, I think. If you agree, yeah. I think that's probably... Or do you want to talk about the 2% of Keynote? For oh, yeah, 2%. <laughs> Who the hell? How, how <laughs> the hell? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. And that's about 8% that uses none. So Yeah, none. I so don't do word framing. Like more people use nothing than InDesign and Keynote. Yes. I don't know what you even use. InDesign is not for wireframing. Why would you do that? InDesign is for print, publication. <laughs> I used to do that. Uh, they don't know that. Uh, yeah, I guess not. Um, but that was interesting that 27% uses Sketch. Um, that yeah. also means that entire 27% uses Mac. Yeah. So I thought it was really interesting, the connection between Mac users and and those you know responding uh, for these digital agencies. Yes, that's something like kind of related to what we were saying before, that you need a product that is reliable and it works and Macs and Apple used to be like that. So in my digital agency, like we are a medium sized digital agency and we all have Macs, but not the latest iMac from 2015 that is super flat and you don't have a digital drive reader and you have just three ports and you cannot do any. We have all 2011 mm -hmm. Mac, iMac, Mac Pro. We that we manually expanded. So we have like mm. six, 16 gigs of RAM. We expanded the hard drive. So we improved those kind of Macs. And these are, those are great. Like they work perfectly. And I think most of the digital agency, like the majority of the digital agencies are still on Mac with yeah. older software. Uh, sorry, with older hardware but still yeah. on Mac. That's why I think Sketch is like skyrocketing well, these. Yeah, well, and also 38% uh, of these people who answered uh, was Sketch, mm -hmm. I believe. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, startup uh, startups yes. 38% and technology firms were 35%. But that's not telling us more detailed information like you were saying. Like what if these startups were using older technology instead of using an investment to buy new tech? You know, what if yes. they were buying these older computers, which actually makes more sense mm -hmm. uh, business-wise is to make a get an older computer, manually upgrade it, and then have more powerful stuff than having less ports and less usability, you know, um, yes, than that. Exactly. And so, but even then, you know, at twenty three percent, says studio agency, uh, yep. and it was equal with the media agency at twenty three percent. And so, yes, um, that was really interesting. And then HTML and CSS was a little ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I just I don't even want to go there because that, who wants that to, to work me, right? <laughs> why would you even? Do, I don't I don't know. I'm sure there's some people out there that's their thing, but. Yeah, the cool thing about uh, Sketch that I also use it to wireframe sometime is that mm -hmm. if you want to do a fast wireframe prototype, you can export the single elements from Sketch in CSS. You just convert to CSS. It's going to create a kind of a super crappy CSS derivation and HTML is just horrible. But if you need to do a super quick, fast wireframe prototype in HTML, you can export your sketch file in HTML and it's going to work. And it's just mm -hmm. like pretty basic, but that's one of the strength of sketch. And the other strength of sketch is just, it's fast. It's like stupid fast. It's like so light. It's like, how much is that? 400 megabytes of program or software. Yeah. You can do everything you can do in Illustrator. You can do like something like way more focused on web. And it's just mm -hmm. really fast. It's not going to destroy your memory. It's not going to crash your computer. And you can have multiple artboards, multiple file open. It's, it's just fast. It's just... Yeah. And that also moves into, and I really believe it should be connected to interface design. 34% uh, mm -hmm. said that they use Sketch. And 29% yeah. said they use Photoshop. And so... Um, and then HTML, CSS again. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, but it's the same thing. It's like these same people are using Sketch for the majority of their planning process. Yeah. And then moving on to, which is basically kind of what the rest of us do. Um, but you know, I tend to what I tend to do is I I was I was taught in college to use Illustrator and how to use Illustrator as a productive tool. Yes. And most of the people that come to me and say I don't understand Illustrator is people who are not trained to use it. Yes. Um, it's usually people who they got a copy of it and they don't know how it works. Mm -hmm. um, there are ways to set up Illustrator to be an enlightening, fast, productive tool. Yes. Um, because Illustrator has not become bloated over the years like Photoshop has. Yes. So I have I have Illustrator on all every computer that I have it specifically mm -hmm. set up with presets, windows, workspaces, everything to let me be able to kind of move through the process lightning fast. Yeah. And and I get man, I get sketches out like that, you know, one thing that I've always been able to do is just get out mockups very quickly. Yeah. Because I know all of the hotkeys, I know all of the ways to do it. like mm -hmm. once you're phys once you're like professionally trained in Illustrator, it's really easy. Yeah. Um but Sketch is actually like a lighter version of Illustrator. So all these yeah. people all of the people that are saying that what they're doing in Sketch, you can do in Illustrator too. But if mm -hmm. your company doesn't want to or doesn't have the time or investment to either train you or buy Adobe software, then sketch is a good alternative. There's nothing wrong with that. You just basically whatever works. Yeah. So, um, you and know, there's... The, the interesting thing also about, like, compared to the wireframing process uh, with this interface design is that after sketch in the wireframe was Illustrator, that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah. here in the interface design after sketch, that's Photoshop. So uh, yeah. like majority of these people, like developers and design, and I used to do that too. Like you do wireframes in Illustrator, then you import in Photoshop and you do interface design in Photoshop. So yeah. the strand of sketch is basically you have the ability to remain in the same environment, in the same software mm -hmm. and do both wireframe and uh, interface design because you have all the tools that you need to convert your wireframe into a proper design. Yeah. Instead, sometimes you need, you're forced to switch to Photoshop to do yeah. some more complex and advanced interface design. Which makes me wonder if in the future Adobe's going to end up... I've always wondered about the future of Illustrator. Yeah. If Adobe is going to eventually just cut it and then cut its cut it in half and then spread yeah. its abilities over like two other products, bloating down you know, Photoshop even more. Um, oh but I, I just wonder. I hope uh, not. I really hope not. But uh, Photoshop um, already has uh, like the vector section with shapes and stuff, but it's just horrible. It's just like... Yeah. It's like managing more than 10 shapes in Photoshop is just... Uh. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah. Yes. I, I don't... The really complex stuff that people do in Photoshop, I just wonder... Like half of it... I mean, you can even like build it in Illustrator and then import half of that into Photoshop so you don't kill your computer trying to, yeah. to do all of that. You know, there's like mm -hmm. certain elements you can create an Illustrator, flatten, and then bring into Photoshop as a flattened layer than to do yeah. all these different shapes in Photoshop... And then flatten it. Why? It's just to me, it's it's faster to, to move between the two. But yeah. um, anyway, I would like to um, to to stay like two more seconds just to uh, sure let you notice that InDesign is always present in every process. I know from wireframe I, to interface design in InDesign. Who are these people? Great. What country are these people? From? And <laughs> did you notice there's fireworks there? Yes, 2%. I did. I'm ignored. I'm, I don't talk about it. I don't want to but it's interesting it. because like Fireworks was dropped in version CS6. So it means yeah. like how many of yeah. these people are using the latest version of Adobe? Like how well, many is, of these yeah. companies are still on CS4, CS5 because they cannot upgrade because it's too expensive. So they just spend one time in a lifetime uh, $100 for Sketch. And yeah. they have like lifetime updates, upgrades, and they have everything. So mm -hmm. that that is connected to the, the, the episode that we did about Adobe and like yes. the cost of the upgrade. So Adobe with this like thing, with this like uh, new marketing system and this new mm -hmm. business idea is pushing people away. That's why Sketch is getting more and more uh, yeah, audience. So it's and it's freaking like who the hell uses still fireworks? <laughs> like uh, I know, I, yeah, I've I've experienced some people who do. Why? That's all I'm gonna they, say. They hate well, each other. They hate themselves. Like uh, I don't want to be <laughs> yes. specific, but I believe the logic was this is just as good as Photoshop. Oh, I will say that without comment. That's all okay. I'm gonna say. I I staunchly disagree with it. I don't believe that has any sort of educated. Uh, I don't believe that's an educated opinion. Yeah, I I really do not believe that, and uh, mm -hmm. and that's all I'm gonna say about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. Um, so anyway, uh, but yes. I think it's interesting. That's exactly what you're saying. I, yeah. I think most of these companies. I think we're beginning to get the picture now of 
people of, of design companies not necessarily running with Photoshop and mm -hmm. Illustrator and Adobe products anymore. Now, there will always be companies who do. Yeah. Um, like any kind of print and publishing design, you, you have to use Adobe. It is the best thing out there. Absolutely. Uh, we don't have Quark anymore. Quark is not usable. You just don't do it. You just yes. don't do it. Um, <laughs> Adobe has everything you need. You know, I, when I'm creating the books that I'm creating right now for my comics, it's yeah. all in InDesign. Yeah. Because you just do. You just, yeah. you just do. That's what it's made for. You know, Adobe is very print friendly. It always has yes. been. But it's getting a little slow to catch up to the web. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, the fact that we still have Dreamweaver in the state that it's in is still, you know, um, Dreamweaver's good, but mm -hmm. there's, there's other stuff that can do, there's other stuff that can work better. And it's yes. not, again, it's not as bloated. You know, most of, most of the coding that I use, that I do, uh, I use sublime text, mm -hmm. you know, and it's great for me. And I, and everyone has their own like thing. You know, the big fear when I started web development is as I, am I using the right uh, development software? Yes. And there really is no answer to that. Because it's basically the whole the question people ask is not what software are you using? It's what can you do? What languages do you know? And how can you you know can you make this happen? Yeah, it doesn't really matter which software. Yeah. Uh, it's on your rooster. If the product and the, the final product, it's always the same, and it's yeah. a good product. You can do whatever you want. It's up to you to find the 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 right process for you that you feel comfortable and it it just helps you. Yeah, and. It's all about you developing a process that makes you fast and good. Exactly. And I really don't, you know, there, I mean, I don't, and, and kind of going back to fireworks, I don't believe fireworks makes you fast or good. Mm. I believe Firefox is a handicap um, because, <laughs> yeah. and Adobe has, is no longer supporting it. So, you know, yeah. we're done. We're done with that. <laughs> so, guys, come on, man. If you're using fireworks, come stop, on. These 2%, man. I'm I'm sorry for yeah. you guys, but just get, stop. Like, if you have a Mac, put in the money, get Sketch. And then, like, yeah. you're, boom, right on the front. You know, you're on the cutting edge again. Yes. And you're good. And people are going to look at you funny when you're at a conference and go, I use fireworks. Because they're like, really? What's wrong? <laughs> you know, it's like, what's wrong with you? What's up in your so, life? That uh, Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you need an intervention? Um, that's all I'm going to say. Sorry. I just, that's you know, okay. Uh, there, there, are, there's leeway whenever you're using software, but there are limits, though. Yes. I mean, if you're, if you're saying you're a print designer and you're, you know, you're only using software that's like 15 years old, mm -hmm. um, you don't do issues. it. Yeah. 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 The, there's, Serious there's a difference. Issues. Like we, we give each other a lot of slack. Yeah. Um, for this, <laughs> for the how we approach a process, but there, there are limits to that. <laughs> yes. So, and using fireworks to me is one of those limits <laughs> anyway um so speaking of all of this yeah um uh, moving into prototyping yeah um the people interesting of the people who responded uh pretty much everyone prototypes in well 38 percent said that they prototype in html and css mm -hmm. um 18 percent said in vision and 11 percent said other but they didn't specify what that means so know. we really don't know you know and it mm -hmm. Among those who, per who selected HTML and CSS, freelancers led the pack, while those who work for uh, large studios or agencies were the scarcest. So that means that, uh, well, other was 50%, and then a freelancer was 46%. Yeah. And then startups were 24%, which is baffling to me. Yes. Um, and then technology 35, studio agencies mm -hmm. at 40. 
So I work at so currently you work at a studio and I work at an IT company. Yeah. And so technically, I mean that's about that's relative. You know, most of the time we use HTML and CSS for prototyping. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what what is your take on all that? Um, it it really depends. Like that it, these statistics, like especially for startup, the twenty four percent is like super weird. Like it means that the majority of startups they don't prototype they don't do prototypes and it's just like for me yeah. it's kind of mind-blowing <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's just weird anyway like mm, prototype i i use html css because it's faster i have a, a, a like a pre-built library of transitions animations and html uh, snippets of code that i can use pretty much to prototype mm-hmm. as quick as possible uh, i kind of see like in vision we started actually the last project that we did for a huge company, we prototyped in Envision, but it's super limited because Envision you have, uh, you just upload JPEGs and you can create transitions between JPEGs. So you can do mm-hmm. like a sliding menu or a model popover or a overlay status on top or if your JPEG, you have just like these three, four options and that's it. But it's interesting because most of the times like, users or like your client doesn't understand um the simplest thing ever like if i tap on the menu icon the menu is gonna slide from the right that's what they don't understand and Mm -hmm. you need to explain those specifics super like simple and small parts instead of like with html and css you can do all sorts of transitions animations and loading and and stuff so something way more complicated but yeah. that probably your client doesn't need to understand. He needs right. to understand a model, a popover, or a slide transition, or uh, just an overlay takeover on top of the current design. Yeah. And InVision covers those basic things. So that's that's kind of interesting. Like your client doesn't need to see the full prototype, and you need to spend a lot of time in HTML, CSS to create a full prototype of the page to show them. Yeah every single transitions or uh, stuff that you want to input inside the website, but they need to see just the basics transition and the basic stuff that their website is going to do. So that's, I, I use both and I kind of like, I understand, I'm starting to understand why Envision and Envision is like fully integrated with Sketch. You can export directly from Sketch to Envision. Basically, it's almost the same company. They they mm-hmm. they have a a good relation and they are developing stuff for each other. So it's it's a really strong uh, partnership. Well, it's interesting what you said about uh, people not prototyping at all. Um, yeah. Germany actually answered. Uh, the top five uh, participants, Germany uses HTML CSS for prototyping the most, mm-hmm. while the United States uses it the least. So I oh, would God. dare actually say that agrees with your, with your opinion that, that people are just not prototyping. Yeah. Startups, are not pro- startups in the United States are not prototyping anywhere yeah. near what they should be, um, mm-hmm. which is if at all. Which, which makes me wonder what the business process is for some of these startups if they're if they're you know so concerned about their startup uh, process that they're skipping steps, yeah. and it really makes me wonder because you, that is skipping a step. Prototyping is a legit step, and you really cannot do. And even if you just made an HTML CSS prototype, you can upload it to a test server. 
mm-hmm. and send it to your client and say, here's a link, here's their specific link, click on it, click around, and then you can get on the phone and describe stuff to them or have yeah. them sit down with you and actually demonstrate. To me, it's always been better to demonstrate to totally. someone than yeah. to say, well, it's going to be this because you yeah. cannot bank on somebody's and it's not saying it's not insulting any clients, but don't take that chance. I mean, I would never recommend anybody take a chance on their client's imagination uh, to accept what they're trying to explain. It's always just because these people are busy and they're sitting down with you and they're giving you their time. You know, just make the make the process as easy for them as possible yes, to give. Absolutely. You know, when they give you that five minutes, they feel like they're investing. There, mm-hmm. it feels like because here's the thing: once they start paying you, they feel like they need to get a, 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 something back from their investment in you. Yeah, sure. And so, demonstrating a physical product means that they're actually getting something back already. You know, for paying you for that time. The interesting, the super interesting thing is that exactly what you're saying: that they have to demonstrate something to the client or to investors. So it means that startup, they do do they don't prototype. So yeah. they don't they never demonstrate anything to the investors. They just release the products. And they don't have clients. Most of the time startups no don't have clients. They just have that single product that they need to release as fast as possible. Yeah. And that's why there's this huge amount of failure in startups because they just bashing on this code and they're just destroying this trying to push as much as possible their product, but without a proper prototyping process, without a client that gives you feedback, you, you're you just by yourself. You're in a cave, you create your product, and you release the you, you release it without testing, prototyping, feedback for a thir- from a third-party person. And you, you, know, you don't even have to invest, invest in focus groups. You just need to invest in something invest in yeah. show it to people because that's interesting i don't know if you've ever watched parks and recreation oh, um, yes. but there's an ep- okay so there's an episode where um oh what's his name aziz azari's uh character oh, i don't um, remember <laughs> anyway he and mm-hmm. he and john ralphio start ha- create a startup and they are spending enormous amounts of money in this huge rented space they're paying models like seventy thousand a year They've got NBA uh, basketball stars in there, mm-hmm. you know, just like they're talking about all of this money that they're spending and they're like, this is great. This is an amazing line. And then um, and so Adam's character comes in and he's like, well, you guys are spending so much money on this. And they're like, yeah, but it's going to be worth it. And we're going to be rolling in all the money yeah. whenever the product's finished. And I and it, it was hilarious, mm-hmm. but it's also a bit indicative about some of the stuff that we're seeing with startups. Not every yeah. startup, of course. They're very successful startups. They sell for millions or billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, but but those are the startups that usually don't skip steps. They're the ones who do their homework. They do the math. They do the prototyping. Yeah. They do the focus groups. They, they, they use the invested money wisely. And those are the ones that, you know, like Instagram, you know. Yes. Uh, Instagram was a startup and they sold it to Facebook. And they're all resting on multi-millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't. But the way they handled their company was very wisely, mm. and they were very methodical in the way that yeah. they grew. They grew slowly, you yeah. know. They didn't give you fifty thousand filter filters at once. Yeah, you yeah. know, they gave you a few filters, but it wasn't about the filters. Mm. It was about you sharing a social network of photos of your day, mm-hmm. and they grew from that from that base. They didn't try to to be all end all, and that's when they sold for you know however much they sold. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of money. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's interesting. I, I think this is all really indicative of like the startup culture 
hey, I'm young and I'm going to get a lot of money and I'm going to be wealthy and I'm going to be the next Instagram and, and all of this. And like, you know, that's great and you can. See, yeah. that's the thing. It's the, it, yes, it can. Yes, you can. Um, but only if you play it by the rules and only if you do it the right way. Yes. Exactly. Um, if you come and, and it's, I read a lot of articles about the, the startups that they do well or they move to Silicon Valley and they tank. And oh, they yes. get wrapped up in the and it's it's being wrapped up in the idea of because Facebook was a startup too, and you know but they they didn't get wrapped up in the in the idea of I'm young I'm going to be the next X person. They were like mm-hmm. they said because Facebook started out small. They were just like just inner college just yeah. just for colleges and you have to have a university email, you know and that's that was pretty much it. I mean the first the first uh, Facebook profile, I mean, I joined in 2005 and the first Facebook profiles were just so basic. Like you couldn't even tell, like people could just write on your wall because it was the giant text notepad. You know, (laughs) it was, you had to like sign your name, you know, to, to let people know it was you that said something. And, uh, so, you know, it's changed so radically, but they were so basic in the way they started and they were not apologetic for that. Mm-hmm. And they didn't try to be something more. They they built their base, and then they started building up, and and that's what you see. Because the whole point is not to study startups; it's to study it's to study startups that were successful. Yeah, it's it's to, you never look at all the people doing it. You only look at the people who've had consistent success rates, and you look at what they're doing and why they're doing it. Yeah, and exactly. uh, you know, don't don't get into the culture of oh, I'm gonna get a startup and get famous yeah. you start at, you start with i'm gonna build get my core concept and i'm gonna build on it and you need to make sure that core, con- core concept is is flexible enough to to weather the time because yeah. there are several i mean i can't remember the names of it but there are always the startups who seemed okay and mm-hmm. they seemed like they were going to do really well and then they tank yeah. and they disappear yes, and you never hear from them again yeah totally and so. we should like strip the whole idea that you prototype just if you have a client and you have to show what you're doing to a client, like prototyping puts you in a position that you question yourself and you actually seeing the product while is in development and you actually see the flaws of your product. So prototyping is like, I think it's 50, 50% 50 is important for you, for yourself and 50% is important for the client. Yeah. But we, we shouldn't strip it out. Yeah. yeah, and we shouldn't put it away, like remove it from the process just because we don't have a client. We are a startup and we have our own product. It's, that's yeah. not how it works and it's not how it should work. Yeah, no one ever becomes, there's really no, no one who ever becomes uh, truly successful by skipping steps. Yes. Um, exactly. You can become rich quick, but that doesn't mean your riches are going to last mm-hmm. if you start skipping steps. And yeah. so... You know, we've seen the flat. We've seen, we've all seen flashes in the pan. You know, the articles being written by someone who's the next Bill Gates, the articles being written by the next startup, the next Facebook, the next this, the yeah. next that. And but the problem <laughs> was that you know, there, there's a lot of stuff going that goes into startups. But one of the things, man, let, why don't you let your problems be that people's perception of your brand and work on your brand, but have a solid product like product first brand second you know your yes. brand grows from your product not your product grows from your brand cuz that's what we're seeing with apple we're seeing apple banking on its brand and not its product which is mm-hmm. a reversal of what it used to do yeah. and instagram product first branding 
Branding yeah. grew from the product. Facebook, product first, branding. You know, MySpace, branding, product. Yeah, now is <laughs> we're kind of transitioning from that. I remember like uh, three, four years ago, if you wanted to be a startup, you needed a mascot. Like you needed like yeah. a, a stuffed, <laughs> like a puppet animal and that it was like the office. representation of right. your product or your startup. And without that, yeah. you're not an actual startup because yeah. you need to have a mascot or an icon or a logo there. You can create yeah. stuffed animals with that. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if you remember the uh, the movie that thing you do. Um, it's interesting because the whole point of that TV, of that movie in the nineties mm-hmm. was that they were called the originally they called themselves the Wonders, but it was O N E, so it sounded like they were calling themselves the Oneeders. Yeah, um, because of their misspelling, they had bad branding, but they had good music, and eventually yes. they were picked up by a large uh, music uh, producer. Who said, "Okay, your your stuff is good. Don't don't worry about that. Change the name to the Wonders, the W O N D E R S." And so the, he fixed their branding once they became good enough with their product. Uh-huh. So you can have a semi-workable brand, uh, yeah. but a really good product. Your brand yeah. doesn't have to be perfect. Your brand your your brand's going to evolve. It's always going to yeah. grow. It's like a plant. And so just water it the right way. <laughs> don't poison it. Um, but but one of the ways you don't poison it is having a good product. So yeah. consistency, like consistently having a good product will always yes, exactly. will, will bring you success. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that people don't talk about because everyone wants to be Zuckerberg. See, that's one thing I'm seeing. Everyone wants to be the next Zuckerberg, but Zuckerberg mm-hmm. worked really hard and had a consistently good product. That's why he is where he is today. Yeah. He just kept consistently making better stuff. And so and then he he hired people to help him make better stuff. And it's it's the steps. It's always steps. Because even though he attained it while being young, he still did it the right way. <laughs> like yeah, he still got mm-hmm. he did, he properly used his investments and took a step up. He properly used investments, took a step up, and that you know he just he he ran the business well. Even if people don't like Zuckerberg, did the the steps. You know, everyone successful always uses those small business steps and and works. You know, regardless of their personal views. Mm-hmm. The whole point is business still runs on rules, and if you run, if you work the system correctly, if you not work the system, but if you if you <laughs> are in the system, playing by the rules and yeah. using wisdom in the way you grow, then it's just going to be one consistent brand jump after another. Yeah. So um, anyway, interesting that the website says it's the wild west for uh, managing the files that the designers generate. Dropbox uh-huh. is the clear winner. Fifty one percent responded that they use Dropbox for version control. Yeah. While 39% said uh, GitHub and 30% said Google Drive, which mm-hmm. one of these things is not like the other. Yes. Um, <laughs> there's a radical difference between GitHub and Dropbox yeah. and Google Drive. Um, yeah. Most importantly, because neither Google Drive or Dropbox are version control softwares. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's, user, it's a user drag and drop software, you know, uh, online it's Basically. just a cloud, a cloud yeah. storage. It's not like version control storage. It's, so it's, yeah, I think like fifty-one percent is said Dropbox are just designers, and thirty-nine yeah. percent is a GitHub are just developers. It's just the, like the uh, yeah. separation. I'm pretty sure we could just go ahead and put the top ones as being Dropbox and GitHub. GitHub yes. for developers, and then Dropbox for uh, for designers. Because any yeah. design work that I do, I'm I'm chucking that thing into Dropbox. I've used Dropbox. Since mm-hmm. like 2011, 
for client work. I mean, you know, I was illustrating a children's book for someone, um, and uh, and I just dropped all the files into Dropbox. It was just mm-hmm. very easy, super yeah. super easy. Um, but I would not do that for code at all. <laughs> no, that <laughs> you and I are really not using. Sense. <laughs> you know, you I are developing some stuff, and uh, yeah, and we don't. We're not going to use Dropbox for that. No, know? it's just no open up a, a private repository in Bitbucket yeah. or GitHub if you want yeah. to buy a private one, and that, that's it. Uh, Dropbox, I mean. Uh, it's kind of weird because I'm I'm slowly losing faith in Dropbox because it's slowly like Dropbox started at 10 gigs of free space and then you could like uh, improve like by more space and then they start like removing slowly space. Now the free version is like 3 gigabytes, that's it. Mm-hmm. And if you if you have a company and you want like more space and more users on the same Dropbox installation, you need to spend at least a thousand dollars per month or something like that because it's really expensive and you never have unlimited space, never. Like there's well, I no. Think it, yeah, mm-hmm. I think at this point, what I'm doing is I have the uh, I have the business plan or I, not yeah. the business plan. I have at least the next step up, which is like a terabyte. Um, yeah, like the personal. 20. Yeah. yeah, and I and I just tend to use that. But yeah, if you're using a company, let's see. Here's the thing: if you're using a company and all of your people are using your company drive, you will either need to have someone at the end of the month clean out everything and archive yeah. it faithfully, or it's never you need gonna to happen. Have, yeah, or you need to go ahead and just get for the you know get the biggest uh, Dropbox you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a design agency, that's not, it does not take a lot. As you know, you know, whenever you're working in Illustrator and Photoshop, yeah. files can run into at least 200 gig, 200, uh, yeah. 200 megs very, very easily. Oh, for yeah, small... Also one gig, you can easily reach one gig. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Super easy. With, with illustration, yeah. a complex illustration can easily be a gig, if not more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've worked on two and three gig files before. Yes, and exactly. it's you know, and it's just m- more of a complex illustration. I've never mm-hmm. done more than three gigs, but yeah, I think if you're doing, I think if you're doing like ten gigs of art on a single illustration, you're either doing something like amazing, like the Sistine Chapel, yes. or you're doing something wrong. So, <laughs> you <laughs> or know? you never delete a single layer, even if you're not using it. <laughs> yeah, or you're not combining layers that should be combined. Yeah, no. you know? Something like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, well, in Germany, uh, actually, uh, Germany and Canada use Dropbox the most, and US is yeah. third. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is, that makes sense. Uh, it looks like Germany really, man, they really answered a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's the kind of the core, um, the core of the Europe, like most. Uh, Berlin, especially, there are a lot of startups and a lot of like digital agencies are there. So, yeah. Well, and sense. it's interesting. Um, this website also says that GitHub, okay, um, smaller studios and agencies and freelancers are using it. Uh, 50% of people said, uh, 50% of startups said that they use GitHub. Yeah. Um, media and media and freelance also said GitHub, but it's in technology is 38%. But again, we're all talking, I think it goes back to what you were saying. We're all talking about developers. We're not talking about designers. Yeah, you know, designers are not using. I can pretty much. I mean, I would be. I would be surprised if designers were using GitHub for storage. Oh, that's it, that's insane. It seems that's... ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, especially for design files. I'm not gonna. No, I don't know. No. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> so you know. So anyway, um, 
so yeah, that's pretty much the end of it. But it's really yeah. interesting. It kind of gives you a, a feel for where the industry is headed. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I wish we had more participants than 4,000. Yeah. I mean, if we had about 20,000 participants, you could really get a, a solid mm-hmm. uh, feeling either way. Yeah. Um, but it, it gives you the sense of where Germany and the United States and Canada are, are going, at least. Yeah. Um, and there's a sort of like, there's a sort of like consistency, like it's not the answer. We're not super like all over the place, like with different yeah. software or something like you never heard about it. Everyone yeah. is going in the same direction and everyone ends up using kind of the same software, kind of the same solutions for the mm-hmm. same problem. So is it like because these products are good or because we don't have valid alternatives? <laughs> that's i think most of the time it's it's the latter uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking i'm joking yeah. but not really um mm-hmm. you know i think i think we're always see it goes back to what we were talking about before i think we're always looking out for the better thing and whatever yeah. happens to come our way you know we'll go for it yeah and um you know i mean we'll we'll use that we'll use everything that we're using without fail until something better comes along then we'll switch exactly because the whole point is, at the end of the day, the clients don't care what you use or how you use it. They yeah. just care about the end product. And the faster you can get a good, solid end product to them, yes. the more money you make and the more consistent your business mm-hmm. is and the better your business is. And basically, we're all, you know, um, to fight over, if everyone's farming and someone yeah. fights over which ox is better or which yeah. tool is better, I mean, if it's the same type of tool, and they're just they do the same thing but just a little differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not a big difference. Why are you spending your time complaining about it and not spending your time using it? You know, like why? I I I never got that. I guess I'm more pragmatic in that in that <laughs> respect. But I think most of us. And that's why you don't see a lot of infighting uh, with developers. Um, because we are all in the same boat. <laughs> we, yeah, we're uh, all stressed about our yeah. life. Uh, yeah. Our life is miserable, so let's be yeah. friends. Well, and that's one thing I, I noticed. With, with I transitioned from web developers into um, a certain type of artist uh, mm-hmm. a few years ago, <laughs> and there's so much infighting and there's so much opinionated, yeah. like posturing and angry stuff, and I just. It was such a miserable experience, and I've kind of left them and gone back to developers. And man, oh my gosh, everyone's so nice and humble and and polite. And even the people yeah. who have this vast superior repository of knowledge in their head, yeah. they're so nice and they're so yeah. friendly and and helpful. And um, I just I missed it, and I'm so glad to be back. <laughs> and, uh, it's, yeah, uh, we're we're the best. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're totally the best kind of people. <laughs> totally. Uh, I think it's because everybody has stressful lives. Oh and stressful God. day jobs, and we just don't want to deal with it when we come home. We're just like, yeah, yeah let's exactly. talk about fun stuff, you know. <laughs> let's talk about Red Tornado. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Rangers. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. But, you know, I mean, that's because that's us not dealing with our daily issues of, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. Crazy stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, and it's interesting that we're talking about this because one thing that we're all, I think, dealing with and have been dealing with for a while is uh, – the responsive image issue, um, and I think uh, one of us sent this article to the others. It's a uh, web designer. It's from webdesignernews.com, uh, which yeah. is great. Um, but it's the anatomy of responsive images. Um, yeah. It's just chronicling our struggle 
to use responsive images on a website. Yes, um, um, I I kind of I really admire this user. Like Jake is the owner of the like Jake Archibald wrote this article, and it's like, okay, you're a genius because you figured it you figured that out and you figured your process out and it, it's working and you can create fixes var with various density, different images for different devices, different resolution and whatever. You have like, full control on size, quality and orientation of every image for every single device. And it's great. Thank you for sharing this. But I'm totally, I'm sorry, I'm not going to use it because it's insane. It's just like, of course, we're not going to go through all the entire article, but basically it's just you have the the, the final results that you should have in your uh, HTML file is uh, yeah. the HTML5 picture element, then the source media element, and the image HTML standard element. And mm -hmm. inside that you have different options, different attributes, that is media, source sets, sizes, and you have to create different version of the same file for mm -hmm. every different iteration. You can use media queries inside your source element. And it's it's just so convoluted and it's just so terrible that mm -hmm. you need, like, first, you're going to hate yourself. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. like, it's just not going to work. And second, you cannot, I mean, you can, but imagine doing this for every single images. You cannot write it manually. So you need a framework that, has to do this for you. Mm -hmm. Well, and he's he's even doing stuff like putting a media query inside the picture element. Yeah. Um, I I know it needs to be like okay, here. My thing about responsive images is this, and I and I again tend to be more pragmatic of basically what does the client need and mm. what does the client require? Who are the clients? Um, you know, uh, what is their because when, when you work in it long enough, you kind of know that if you're working with the medical industry, you're going to be dealing with a lot of IE users and yeah. a, a lot of EZ users. Um, <laughs> but if you deal with a more artsy website, like an arts website, you're mm -hmm. going to have more Chrome users probably or Firefox yeah. or Safari because yeah. you're going to have people who have iPads looking at it. You're going to have people who have Macs and non-standard PCs looking at it. You'll still have IE, mm -hmm. but it won't be the maximum. Yeah. Um, so... You'll tend to now. It's more Chrome now than anything, but even so, like you'll kind of gauge what you'll need, and even and you can kind of alter your code accordingly. Yeah. Um, you know what is the main thing? Because a lot of times, if you're on a budget, you don't exactly have time to do this stuff for everything, and sometimes you do need to cut some corners. And uh, you know, I think I may be wrong in this, but I I feel like all code is dependent on the client's needs. Um, yes, absolutely. You know, there's basic stuff that everybody needs and that you're going to have to do with responsive code, I mean, period. Mm -hmm. You just are going to have to do it. But Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I think... But this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I just... I, I look at this and my eyes cross and I just... It's like, you know, I know this is probably needed, but I think there's some stuff in here that we don't... Because what he's doing is he's got... Okay, so he's got the picture and then he's got a media query inside of the picture element, which... I think mm -hmm. Bootstrap 4, um, Bootstrap 3, sorry. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm already on 4 already. Yeah, <laughs> Let's get it jump out, get it out. out. <laughs> Let's jump. Um, Bootstrap 3 doesn't really deal with the media queries in the same way that Bootstrap 2 did. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, it's kind of 
I mean, am I wrong? Am I wrong in thinking that this is really more friendly to Bootstrap 2 than 3? Or is it... Uh, yeah, kind of. Well, I think it's just an example. Like, you can, of yeah. course, write the, the, the media queries that you want. But the the problem here is that, okay, how, how you're going to write those media queries? It's going to be like a manual process that you know your media queries and you're going to put it inside See, the exactly, media that's what attribute? Yeah. Or, like, what happened if almost at the end of the project of the website, you add a new media query. You have mm -hmm. to go through all the images that you created and add a new media query and a new derivation of the, of the picture. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking so about. So that's why I'm saying like, you cannot, uh, this is great. This is amazing because you can cover everything and you can actually manage the speed and performance of your website in, on every aspect. But this is not human like you have <laughs> you need a framework you need a software that generates for you uh, all the derivations that you need right. otherwise you're gonna spend like half of your time just editing exporting and creating different derivation of the same image for different right. devices and you can't it's not like there's no budget for that like no client is gonna approve uh, um, a budget for like 15 hours of image optimization for Internet Explorer. It's not never yes. going to happen. So, Well, and most of the time, whenever you build clients, you explain to them what you did during those hours. Yeah. And that's required. And a lot in, you know, it's what I do personally. It's what I do otherwise. Um, you know, when you send someone an invoice, you need to let them know what you did, how long it took to do it, and how your time was, was especially if you're working in an agency, or any mm -hmm. kind of company, you're going to be sending an invoice, and the invoice is going to detail everything you do. Yeah. And the more detailed, the better. But if you're spending, if they see, look at the invoice and say, "Oh, I have a 20-hour budget, but an hour of this 20-hour budget was spent on just images that I sent you," you yeah, know, exactly. you're going to have a lot to explain. And it's just it gets to the point where we're really running into an issue of productivity here. And mm -hmm. a lot of times when you're on a budget and when you have like even a long-term client, let's say you have a long-term client. Client yeah. loves you. Client needs a quick website, but they say, go ahead and forego the image optimization. Or yes. they've never, or you've never done it. Mm -hmm. It's not a good idea to start with them. Always start out, like you would have to start out with a new client, yeah. you know, who is, who is used to the image optimization, not a client that you or you've either inherited or you, or you, um, you know, has been, with your company or another company for a long time and they they're used yeah. to things being done a certain way you know um or someone who's had like multiple websites done over the years you know yeah all of a sudden image optimization and you're spending an hour of my billable time which could be anywhere from you know however many hundreds an hour mm -hmm. you know uh even if it's down to 50 an hour you're like why did i pay 50 dollars for this you know let's yes. say it's the lowest common denominator and you're, you're charging him like 40 or 50 dollars like why did i yeah. just pay 50 dollars for this like you have to I don't know. I mean, there, there, there's a point where it really becomes the the developer and the designer, well, the developer's kind of um, prerogative to, yeah. to see how they how they choose to approach this uh, situation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an amazing solution. It's an amazing technical skill and like snippet of code, but mm -hmm. for sure, it's not going to be the definitive one because there are other options and especially this example that this user is showing is on a perfect world like on a perfect environment mm -hmm. you can use fixed pixel width and 
Right. That's never going to happen uh, right. because if you have a, a content managed system like where the user can upload his own pictures, mm -hmm. you cannot manage those parts. Uh, you cannot create a code with a, a fixed pixel width and height or a fixed uh, pixel density because it's never going to happen. You don't have full control on this stuff. Like So this example works perfectly in this perfectly controlled environment that he created, but in the mm -hmm. real world, is just is not gonna work. It's not gonna happen, and you're gonna spend a lot of time to create all these different iterations, and then the the client is gonna upload his own picture, and it's gonna destroy all your work. So, it's right just... or yeah, and and that also yeah, it completely negates the either the issue of users uploading their own pictures, or users mm -hmm. deciding last minute. See, if you do this, it's got to be last minute. Like it's got to be the last thing you do because. Um, let's say you go through and you optimize all of the images and then yeah. they decide that they want a completely different layout. Yeah. How many times have we done that? How many times have any of us, anybody who's listening or, or either of us, you know, yeah. we do a product, we do a project and then the, the client decides either, I mean, either through forces that they can't control, like somebody, you know, up, upper level management decides they want to change it or they decide, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. If the client decides they want to change it, that you need to change it. And yeah, exactly. if you've already if you've already built them an hour for image optimization, you're going to build them another one for completely changing everything over. Yeah. And testing, you know, and and doing all that. So you're you're looking at an exponential increase of hours if mm -hmm. that doesn't if you if you do it too early in the in the system. Because I I I've known I've heard of stories of people who have optimized everything within the first version of it, and then the client decides they want to change something. And so they have to go back from to scratch. That's why I you kind of always work from like core out. You know, yeah. you make sure that they like this, then you move up. Then you make sure they like that, then you move up. Then at the end, you optimize everything. You know, because it's like a solid chunk yeah. of project mm -hmm. now. You know, it's not just something that's gonna, you know, change. And so yeah. that's why it's whenever I talk to any clients, and I've I've always done this um, out of college. I always get them to get the the what the framework or the frame of their project done first mm -hmm. with functionality and then we yes. move on to design you know and design comes later design yeah. it, it, it works tandem in tandem uh, but it's still just you know you always want to make sure that your website's going to do what the client wants first yeah exactly. and uh and if you're d developing all this functionality in your images first then it's going to completely screw over your project mm -hmm. and you're looking at another probable five hours over budget which is inconceivable. Um, yes. Period. Like one hour over budget, <laughs> bad. You know. Yeah, but no. then, like, because I've heard of some people going ten hours, ten hours over budget, and um, and it's, I mean, the client just becomes furious at that point. They're like, oh, yes, I, of course. Oh. You know, you're doubling my, you're doubling what I'm paying you. Blah blah blah. Yeah. And, you know, that's why you take all the steps. That's why we take all the steps we take to not do that. You know. Yes. because <laughs> so, we want them to be happy, or we want to say yeah. that we've come under budget. The best thing a client yeah. can hear is mm -hmm. that you've, you know, they they hired you for twenty hours and you got it done in ten or fifteen. Yeah, you know, totally. Like usually doesn't happen in, in ten, but you know, fifteen. If you can get it done in fifteen, they're like, oh wow, this is great, and you've got mm -hmm. their business. You you've got it. You're done. Yeah, and uh, and and you're good for the next like three or four or five projects. <laughs> so. Which could be like ten years, you know. You never know. Yeah, absolutely, so, yeah. Long term relationship with a good client. It's always good and. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's a tricky it's a tricky one. The the thing that I like maybe like to conclude, the thing that I 
totally don't like is that we're trying to move into like a web environment that is unique and is just solid and you mm -hmm. have to do less and less to make to have the same results on different platforms so also microsoft edge is slowly dropping ms dash extensions for transitions and animation also yeah. uh, chrome started with a webkit engine now you don't have to use the webkit engine anymore you can just use standard transition or translate 3d and stuff so mm -hmm. we are moving to towards that that direction of like unifying the code that we have to use that is going to work on every platform Mm -hmm. So why for images, we still have to do 10,000 different iterations yes. to make it compatible with yeah. everything. And of course, yeah. like this part is not going to work on uh, browsers on mobile, on smartphones, because right. they have a totally different like concept. And uh, it's just, ah, it's god awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm hoping that eventually this gets solved and there's some sort of... I don't know how they would do it, but there's some sort of way that they could, I don't know, fix it. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> please make less work for us. Because it's not that anyone's saying that they're lazy. It's just, man, we've got clients and they've got budgets. And yeah. we just don't have time. to do. We physically do not have the time in our budgets yeah. to do all of this in a perfect environment. So, you know, and a lot of us always have those things that we did in projects that we're like, oh, let's not talk about that. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, we're just if somebody looks at it and goes, "Who did that?" We would say, "We don't know who did that." That, you know, they're like one of the worst projects I did. Um, I, I just it was when I was first starting out. It was just it ended up just not working for multiple uh -huh. reasons. And someone was like, "Man, who did that?" And I was like, "I know, right? That's just all." Ugh. I yeah. don't know what they were thinking. It was probably you know, I don't know. They could have had a bad client, but you never know. You just never know. Yeah, you know, exactly. the, the best thing about doing client work is you can always disavow it and you can always disown it if it doesn't work. And it wasn't a bad project. It just didn't turn out the way that I yeah. thought it was going to. <laughs> it's never happened to anybody else. Um, <laughs> but, <No>. uh, <laughs> everyone was perfect, Michael. Whatever. Exactly. Um, <laughs> cool. Um, so, yeah, Facebook has... Um, come out with let's see they've come out with a well they're about to come out with something for work it mm -hmm. is like facebook but for work and that's great <laughs> right yeah yeah I don't, I don't know i don't know how that's gonna work out um it's it's interesting um yeah i mean we saw also on on the survey before like project manager project management software are like there are a lot of, of those software around and no one is the definitive one. Every try, everyone is trying to create a new one, but now a lot of people use Slack, but Slack is more like chat based. It's hard to manage projects. So you use Slack together with Basecamp and Basecamp is more project manager, but it's a awful checkbox and check marks uh, and to-do list management. So sometimes you add Asana or sometimes you just use uh, Trello for project management. It's just a lot of different options, a lot of different softwares. And the only problem with all these options that every time you start working into a company, you have to learn those softwares. And mm -hmm. most of the times it's not always the same software. So you are in a company and you use Slack, you switch, you change your job, you go into another company and they use 
Trello or Asana. So you have to learn from scratch a new piece of software, a new mm -hmm. uh, platform. Facebook is kind of like they're seeing an opportunity there because everyone uses Facebook or everyone know how to use Facebook. Mm -hmm. So like the hours spent on like training for this software is basically zero. So just, okay, we're going to do our project management management on Facebook. That's it. Just everyone knows this and no brain at all. We're going to start just using it right now. The problem is that first, a lot of company, even if we are in 2015, still blocks Facebook yeah. on their uh, intranet. They, they, they block their access. The other problem is that right now, like how many times um, a company, like a business, releases a tweet that it's actually was written by a single person that uh, forgot to switch their account from private to the company one. So yes. just releasing a private tweet, maybe with a really compromising picture on the company's oh. Twitter feed. American Airlines. And <laughs> eh, exactly. And how, how many times that is going to happen on your Facebook? Mm -hmm. It's Facebook to maintain this familiarity and this consistency is going to maintain the same graphic interface. Maybe with just the logo of your company customized. How many of users how many of like your employees are gonna post private stuff on the public facebook or public stuff on the private company's facebook yeah i there would have to be a good divide i mean and what you were saying about the zero training i mean ryan holmes the ceo uh, ceo of hootsuite said the same thing and i and yeah. i agree i mean most facebook users are now the population of a me moderately medium-sized european country yeah um if not larger um mm -hmm. But, you know, that was interesting because I've never worked in a company that has blocked Facebook before. Yeah. Um, however, I've always worked in web companies. So yes. Facebook is important. And currently I do, well, um, I, I do a lot of uh, SEO, like social media stuff for my yes. for company now. So I have access to, I have admin access to the Facebook account and, mm -hmm. and all of that. But even so, I'm super, super, super careful about what I tweet and when I tweet it. Um, I don't ever tweet anything controversial normally, personally. Um, I don't tweet any compromising anything. But even so, I'm still very careful about what goes on my personal accounts versus my, you know, versus company accounts. Because, yes. um, and that's the, that's the plight of anybody who works with SEO because all of it is connected to your Twitter app. All of it's connected to your Facebook page. Yes. And sometimes on Facebook mobile, you don't necessarily see what you're posting as. Now, I've never posted as a company. I've never, ever posted anything as a company um, on Facebook uh, or Twitter. But uh, I have seen that happen. And yes. it, is, it is difficult. And sometimes, you know, um, they're used, Facebook used to have a thing where you could use all of Facebook, including your own Facebook, as a company. Mm -hmm. And there was one time, because I've got Cambria Comics... I switched over to it um, at the time and ended up replying on somebody's, some one of my friends' uh, status as Cambria Comics. Yeah. And I just deleted it. It's not a big deal. It was my personal company, and they knew me. Mm -hmm. um, but still, I mean, what if I, what if that had been an actual public company? Yeah. You know. And I didn't say anything. I was just like, oh, that looks awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. But I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a big chance for that kind of problem. Yes. Um, totally. So, but I mean, you know, it depends on the company culture too. 
Um, yeah, no, no, absolutely. You know, I mean, companies I think we both work at are pretty open to. Mm-hmm. If anything, it helps in some in some ways. It does help uh, productivity because you're able to connect with people, or you know, if someone's working from home, you know, you can just chat them up, and uh, it's, the, the, it's the other the other thing that is like threw me off a little bit is like especially when you need a project management software is something that has to be like kind of private so you need that uh, eula or you need that like terms and conditions from that specific product that whatever you're going to share on that product is not going to be used by anyone it's just internally for you your company because it's it's your project you're managing your projects or you're managing private parts of projects that you maybe you don't want to share with the rest of the world and facebook as we all know uh it's like all about selling your information to Uh nsa or whatever other private company or public uh, infrastructure is asking for your information so is it gonna do the same with my public account, like I'm on Facebook, I know that whatever I write on Facebook is just publicly accessible by everyone. They know my first and last name, there's my picture, they can like NSA or whatever other public company can access there and Mm -hmm. read all my shit. I don't care. It's just stupid public things. But in a company that is developing an important project, how safe and how can Facebook guarantee that they're not gonna use those informations for themselves, like to do experimentation, to do like social experiments, or try to share it with other companies. Uh, they they stated that they're not gonna. They stated that they're not gonna use uh, advertising in uh, work in Facebook for work, but still. I don't trust them. <laughs> I must say, like, I, I no, don't really I would trust not them. ever advocate to anybody to, to to do that because of their their propensity to control and sell information and social experiments. I have, yeah. I, there, I don't believe any business has has any kind of investment uh, in a social experiment performed without their knowledge on their company. Yes, you know, like especially when you're dealing with time sensitive projects. Absolutely not. I, I mean, if I was running a mid-level or a large company, I'd be like, no, we're not using that. We're using Slack, you know, or we're using something else. We're not using Facebook, which has shown that it has not it because it shows that it has no remorse for mm-hmm. performing those experiments. Yeah. I mean, who? Why were they performing a social experiment? Who? Who did this? You know, there's still answers. There's still questions that they're not answering, mm-hmm. and there's still this bizarre attitude of we have the power, so we can do this. Um, as long as they have that, companies are going to look at them and go, no, I've invested money, I have investors, I have board members, and I have people who are in the real world, and we're not going to let you high-five your way into ruining us because you decide to perform a social experiment by withholding time-sensitive information. You know? <laughs> like, I just, they, they, they need to clean up their brand a little bit before they yes, absolutely. can be trusted with business. I know there are going to be a few people at startups who are going to use it and be like, we're using Facebook. And they'll like make articles and stuff like that. But, you know, as you know, articles don't always necessarily guarantee the longevity of the person being yes. covered. So, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, um, I agree. I think they've, they've got a long way to go. Um, and I would, no, I would not guarantee it. 
for any business <laughs> because there's no there's no promise from them that they won't do that again. Yeah, exactly. Or that they won't, especially if anybody has, because there have also been rumors about them allowing certain hate groups to exist on Facebook yep. and not allowing other certain type of hate, of hate groups to exist. Yeah. And they're basically picking and choosing. And especially mm-hmm. the issue with them uh, destroying uh, or deleting uh, Native American profiles because yeah. they didn't believe their names were, were real. Yes. And so you have like people whose name are legally like Black Bear. You know, that, mm-hmm. that is their given tribal name. That is their legal name in the United States. Okay? In the United States, their legal name mm-hmm. is Brown Bear or Black Bear. And Facebook comes along and whatever intern is in charge of it decides that, oh, that's not a real name, deleting the, the account. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to be sued before they would release it. And yeah, so I, I don't trust these people's judgment to, <laughs> to say, yeah, no, well, exactly. You, you know, your business name doesn't sound real, so we're going to mm-hmm. delete it. You know, I mean, and if you've ba- if you have a considerable a considerable investment to move everybody away from Slack and move to move everybody to this, and it's gone because they don't think, you know, cute C designs is a real name, yeah. even though you're like a mid level company. You know, mm-hmm. it's I just don't trust. I don't trust it. Yeah, I no, I mean, for sure they're gonna they're gonna have some like policy for like they have to know that. A company name right. is like a totally made up name. It doesn't make sense. So they they should have like for sure they're gonna have a policy to allow whatever name, uh, if it's not offensive or whatever, like in your company. But right. it's right. like, do you trust them? Like, yeah. Do you? They're gonna absolutely. They're gonna have access to whatever you're writing, whatever. And I know yeah. it's happening. And they'll have access to insider information. Yeah, and I know it's happening also in, on Slack. Like, I know that all the messages yeah. in Slack are archived in the Slack company's databases and stuff, but Slack has a really strict terms and condition that you can read yeah. and say, we're not going to sell your stuff, we're not going to use your stuff. Like, you can, you have the ability to delete completely everything from the face of the herd and no backups, nothing. Yeah. With Facebook, we, we all know that you can't. Even if you delete it, it's going to always be there. They're going to always yeah. have a backup forever yeah. of your company stuff or your project, of your secret... Trade uh, secrets. Yeah. That's, that's wow. the most concerning thing to me. You know, trade secrets and financial information is going to be exchanged through Facebook business. And Facebook yeah. will always have, always have that information. Yeah, it's going to be someone reading the stuff all day long. <laughs> oh, you made such and such quarterly, uh, you know, ads start showing up or where you start getting bizarre uh, notifications from people who should not know how much you make saying, mm-hmm. hey, uh, it seems like you've made above $10,000 in your last quarter mm-hmm. uh, for a small company. That's great. Yeah. Here, we've been notified by a third party that we should, you know, offer you our, um, offer you our services. And the only yeah. way they could have gotten that information is through Facebook. Facebook yeah. selling that information of your quarterly reveal of your quarterly uh, profits to another mm-hmm. company. Just terrifying. It's, it's, so it's really terrifying. It's if you have a company, you know, <laughs> like I don't know. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. It's it's still yeah, in its we'll see. It's still in beta. So yeah, for it sure may, there there's gonna be a lot of. Uh, issues with like oh i thought i posted on my personal profile instead is on facebook for work and you're gonna get fired because you you wrote mm-hmm. like oh my boss is an asshole 
on yeah. your Facebook for work. Yeah. See, I'm friends with pretty much everybody at my job, so that's you know that's one good thing about working in a smaller company is that mm-hmm. you're all you're all connected with each other all the time. Who wins? Yes. I mean, nobody in the right mind would say that anyway. So even if yeah, their boss was a jerk, so I've had bad bosses in the past, but man, I. Mm-hmm. I love my current boss, but bad bosses in the past, I would never even. Yeah. I don't know anybody with a motive, with a sense of, um, I don't know, common knowledge or common sense mm-hmm. would know that you deal with your emotions privately. If somebody pisses you off, anybody in the company pisses you off, any client pisses you off, you deal with it like an adult, and then you move on. <laughs> you know, you don't go. I, I hate everybody. Everybody's an asshole. I don't care. Blah, blah, never blah, blah. gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. We are we are too childish for like yeah, we're well. not. Actually, it's probably a good thing for the boss to know which people in their company is talking, you know, talking yeah. smack about everybody else. So, <laughs> exactly. We'll weed them out faster, so people with no, uh, you know, but you're probably going to get those those people who don't know how to use Facebook being like, oh, okay, honey, tell grandma that, mm-hmm. you know, tell grandma how your day was. And you're like, oh, no, this is on the company. How do I delete this? Delete, 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 delete. And like all these messages of like, I can't figure this out. Yeah. Exactly. No, that'll be funny. But, um. <laughs> Yeah, I would think I would think anybody in this day and age who uses social media would be able to most people most people who mm-hmm. last longer than ten yeah, years yeah, in their field in any field and working um, would know that if you have a problem with any part of your company you you deal with the person you, you talk to the person or you try to resolve the issue as an adult you don't go and complain about it on social media because so whatever you share on social media is like telling a crowd eventually someone's going to know someone that you're talking about yeah exactly that's why i'm much more careful about the stories i share now because mm-hmm. i try to make them as general as possible yes <laughs> because i don't want anybody to think because you know even if i'm telling a funny story i'm not you know, first of all i don't share client stories um oh, yeah, sure you know none of us i we mm-hmm. can tell each other in, individually but never yeah. first never never here um but you know, it get, it just goes with the amount of discretion that you have with your life, and I think yes. most adults should have the discretion to not air their work grievances on social media, regardless. I mean, what you know, even if someone was having a bad day and they talk to you in a bad way because we're all human, yeah. that's the worst opportunity. The worst thing you can do is go to social media and be like, "Someone was rude to me, that jerk," you know, <laughs> when they could have just been having a bad day and they come back and apologize like thirty minutes later. And then, like, buy you coffee or something, you know, like, like, yeah. you know, saying anything on the in the heat of the moment is like the worst thing to do ever. Absolutely. So, you know, guys, never ever ever share information uh, from work on Facebook. And, so. And don't use Facebook for work. <laughs> and don't use Facebook. Yeah, not yet. It's still beta. Good change, but now it's like, nah. Let's yeah. not do that. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, I think that I think that concludes our. Uh, we have yeah. a great, um, great thing we're going to talk about next week, which mm-hmm. is different uh, CSS frameworks. So uh, there's some fun stuff that we kind of came across this week. Uh, we were going to, yeah. we were going to cover it this week, but um, we decided that it's so good that we want to cover it and we want to be able to test out some of these uh, CSS yeah. frameworks. So uh, it's going to be a good. Do actual, we need to do actual homework. So yeah, yeah, we're going to uh, have to do. Some we're not going to be as lazy as usual. But uh, we're gonna do some <laughs> yeah, interesting we things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do some some homework and get back to you guys and kind of uh, we're gonna look at um, testing other frameworks uh, besides mm-hmm. Bootstrap, which are CSS frameworks. We're gonna test them and give you our results next week. So we'll Amazing. tell you what works and what doesn't. 
And so whatever part of the week uh, that you're in while listening to this, have a great rest, uh, rest of your week. Know that the weekend is so much faster. It's coming so much faster than you think. And uh, blink and it'll be here. So uh, keep working for the weekend. <laughs> keep having fun in what you're doing. So um, and we'll see you guys later.